What is up, everybody? My name is Austin Buckner, and you are listening to the Ice Cream Sunday Podcast. This week, a very special guest. We are celebrating National Grandparents Day with one of the most requested guests in the history of our show. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Grandma Ardeth. Grandma Ardeth. Ardeth Buckner, the legend herself. Um, I had so many people ask me to get you on the show and they were very upset that like I talk to you every day and you were you haven't been on the show yet and it's been like a year and a half at this point it'll be almost two years um and for whatever reason you weren't on the show yet so people are going to be very excited to hear your voice and, and hear your story and um so we talked about how you met my grandpa and raising essentially three different families over the years um and the connection that i still have with this community because you live here um we get into all of that so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy episode 68 of the ice cream sunday podcast How did you meet my grandfather? Well, actually, saw him around town a little bit. He saw me around town a little bit. He worked at Don Carlos uh, Law Office at that point, and I worked at the bank. He lived in Fontenelle, and I lived here in Greenfield, and he Asked me to go so to he, a movie. So he made the first move? Yeah. Like, did he see you at the bank? Is that where he saw you? Did he even know your name at the time? I don't think he did right at first. <laughs> no, because we weren't from the same town. <laughs> did you Did you know of the, the Buckner family before you met him? So I you did not. Not he, really. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into? I sure did not. <laughs> Um, so he, did he just come in? You're, you're a bank teller, right? So does he just come up to you and say, Hey, I, I think you're good looking and I'd like to take you to a movie or how, how does this conversation, how does this conversation start? Honestly, I don't remember whether he asked me or if he called me. No. So I'm not sure. Does he just call up the bank and he's like, Hey, this. No, we didn't call the bank. Bank. This, this pretty brunette girl. Uh, no. I, I'd like to take her on a date. Could you connect me to line three? Well, I don't know who all he talked to and asked questions about before we got together. But I do know um, once we had started going together that there was this um, little conversation that his mom had asked his, his aunt do you know anything about this girl at the bank? And, well, no, but she could find out because she knew her aunt, her aunt. And so Aunt Georgia called Aunt Grace, and what got back to Grandma B finally was, well, she's not much older than him. I'm not any older. I was going to say, <laughs> like, 
not much older at all. Actually, <laughs> negative one year. Yeah. Yep. Um, so first date is the movies. Is that? But don't ask me what one or. <laughs> was it here in, in Greenfield at Grand Theater or did mm-hmm. you go somewhere else? No. No? Yeah. You don't remember what movie it was? Not for sure. What year would this have been? <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that. 70 I didn't write something? This. Um, yes. Probably 76. Okay. And then how long were you two going together before he asked you to marry him? Well, we had our, we started going together, I want to say, in August. Okay. In September, I was sure. Oh. <laughs> um, Wait, you were sure? Did you ask him? Oh, oh okay. No. Um, spent a lot of time together after we started going, and and it was a lot of times family, all of us. Yeah. And um, in December, covering. December? So August to December? I think, maybe. Okay. And then you guys got married when? Well, we had to wait till after tax season. Of course. Because, <laughs> because he was a tax person. And we got married May 28th, 1977. 1977. Okay. What were, because Trent was, would have been born in May of 79, if I remember right, because he's 10 years older than I am. So what were those two years like before? Well, actually, no, I should, I should go back in the story because you had kids already. Um, I got and that a- was one of the things that uh, I think in a weird way bonds you with Amy because I had kids and I started dating a girl that did not have kids. Um, and that was something that post my, my divorce post my my first uh marriage with Kaylee was I I don't know if I'm going to be able to like it's it's gonna have to be an integrated family it's gonna have to be the Brady Bunch situation because it's gonna be very difficult for me to find girls to date me that are like oh I don't want someone that already has kids um and then I found Amy so that's something that bonds you is that you started dating someone and, and going with someone that already had kids um do you remember like your first uh, first impressions of, of Shane and, and Wendy and maybe their first impressions of you? Do you, uh, do you remember what those conversations looked like or? Not a lot. Um, I knew, I knew uh, that he had children and that he had the children. Yeah. And, um, at first, it was just him and I, sure. and they would stay at Grandma's sure. house in sure. Fontenelle. And um, and then it got to be, we'd do family things. And um, Was there any... He, he was always my cook. Oh, and of course. so we, we did meals. Yeah. And then there was a time in there where... I can't remember. He was changing houses somehow. Well, I said they lived in Font. They might have lived with Grandma when they first started, but they lived over here in Fontenelle in a little house, and then they changed. And 
during the time of the moving and all that, they lived with me. They even stayed with me for a while. And I was living up in the... In the hotel? Hotel at yeah. that time, yes. So when you met Grandpa, you were, li- you were still living in the hotel. Is that right? Yeah, I hadn't lived there too awful long. Yeah, okay. Um, what were your first impressions of Shane and Wendy? Was there any any nerves in, in dating someone that already had kids and kind of being accepted as a mother figure to... Honestly, I do not remember the first time I really met them. Even after They you... were just part of it. Yeah, just a package deal. Mm-hmm, yeah, it was. That's what... Was tearing a bonus. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what Amy said as well. It's just like, well, I mean, can't I mean can't change it. Like they, that's that's the package deal. The only difference, the main difference, and this made my mine easier. I feel their mother wasn't in the picture, sure, and so I didn't have to. Um, you know, share. Yeah. Um, but once we were married, I remember being really paranoid because this was in the time when they were having trouble and and it brings to mind Des Moines where the vans were going by and they'd just open them up and mm-hmm. put the kids in and they'd be gone and we didn't find some of them down there. Well, I had this feeling that I wouldn't let the kids play in the front yard because I was afraid of something like that. Yeah. But um, I think the difference between your situation and Amy's situation above and beyond having to to share or, or uh, and Kaylee and Amy get along just fine now, my current wife and my ex-wife, but um, is that I have two biological children and she's like, I accept that. I get that. Uh, when we started dating, uh, uh kenta was a baby right so she's she's always been there and i don't think even kingston is only seven now so he doesn't really remember a time before amy either but one thing that she had to uh i don't want to say overcome but one thing that she had to kind of uh learn to to deal with was when i came home and i was like hey um so kaylee has this third child and the biological father is not in the picture um, I'm going to start bringing that kid home with me when I have my weekends with my biological children. And he's basically become our third child. And, um, uh, Carrick, the one that's not biologically mine, the youngest one, he just turned three and he, he loves his Amy more than, I mean, that those two, they're connected at the hip every weekend that we have them. Like they never separate. And if she has to get up and go to the bathroom, Carrick has to supervise. It's it's always so. Yeah, that's that's one thing that she did. But so you guys get married. Obviously, it's just uh, the four of you for a couple years, and then transborn. You have your own biological child. Um, what does that dynamic look like? How does the family change after there's a there's a newborn? Well, first comment is about my three, three great grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think an awful lot of Kingston, Kenta, and Carrie. Yeah, they're great. They're they're a handful. 
that are a lot to deal with, but yeah, they're great. Yeah. Well, let's skip ahead. Um, I call you. I tell you that this girl that I barely know is pregnant with my first child. Um, what, what's that? What does that conversation look like? What? It, where, how are you feeling at, at that point when? Uh, Wait a minute. You've changed. Yeah, changed <laughs> subjects. So, um, um, what's going through your mind when? You know, your oldest grandson calls you and tells you that he's going to have a baby with a woman that he barely knows. Well, Austin, um, first, some of that isn't real. What do I say? Burned into my memory because you just accept things as you go. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't worry about them. Well, you do worry about them, but you don't try to change things because sure. this is happening and you just go with the flow. Um, you've left out a lot, a big part oh, of sure. my life in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Let's um, give it because, a we'll go back. Okay, okay, because, um, yeah, I, it's like I had three families yeah. if you look at, well, at the whole picture. Yeah, And yeah. Um, I don't really, you weren't, as close for me to know what was going on in your life right then um, with Kaylee. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So let's, let's get back. So Trent's born. Okay. And Trent was, everything has to be a, what, what would be the word? Um, Nothing can just go smoothly. I mean, I was expecting a July 4th baby, around the 4th of July, Mm -hmm. and he was born May 5th. He was nine weeks early, and he spent the first, um, well, from May 5th to June 10th in the hospital in Des Moines. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you didn't go, I didn't drive in Des Moines, didn't go back and forth, so I had to call on the phone every single day, and we went down on the weekends, because that's when Terry could go, and... um, so we had a, by then, we, well, you also didn't find out what the sex of the babies were back then. So, um, but by that time, you know, we'd had him, we knew we had a boy, and so he got a blue bedroom and it was all ready to go because it wasn't ready <laughs> when he came. So that, a little bit over a month, uh, him being in the hospital how how happy were you when you finally got to to bring him home? Oh, we were very, very glad that we could. And the kids were so excited about a new baby in the house. And, and yeah, it was, it was great. Um, with, with him being born nine weeks premature, what was the health issues that he had? Well, it was my um, pre, preeclampsia that caused the early birth Mm -hmm. and um he really was very lucky um he started breathing right away on his own and everything but he did have it was a slow go he was uh, three pounds seven and a half ounces the half made a big difference then because he did get down to right at three pounds before he started going back up. And then everything was a plus. Um, two things, he didn't get teeth real early. That was one thing that was a later 
thing. And um, the other thing is, when he was two, then we finally found out he did have a heart murmur, and um, it was a valve problem, which hasn't been fixed but about, what, two years now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they watched it all those years. but uh, so, so we were very lucky with his. I can't imagine a whole month and, and the, the calling and only seeing on the weekends. So Kenta wasn't born nine weeks premature. I think he was about three, three and a half weeks premature. We were in the NICU with him, and we never left the hospital in those 10 days. And it was only 10 days, but it felt like forever. Um, and they told us that it was it was his lungs. He just, he wasn't breathing, wasn't getting enough oxygen. Um, we took him home and we thought we were going to have to deal with like this basically asthma symptoms, baby. And he, he was never going to be active and he was never going to be able to run around and play like the other kids. And now he's five and he's a psychopath and he is the one that runs around. He is the one with the most energy. So I don't know what the doctor was talking about, but yeah, he is, He's definitely my most active daredevil child, but um, yeah, very similar regard in, in hospital stays and that sort of thing. And um, and it was a definitely a, a change because Kingston was easy. Kingston was born on a, I want to say a Wednesday and no, it was uh, like a Thursday morning and he was home. We were out of the hospital and home by Sunday afternoon. Yeah. WrestleMania was <laughs> that day. So we took him home on WrestleMania, but um so you have three children. And a uh, small house. Small house. Um, you lived in the south part of Greenfield, right? Right. How long did the five of you live there before you moved into this house? We lived in two houses. Oh, that's right. There. I forgot. On the same street. Mm-hmm. We lived down on the corner. By like... South the South Point Park or whatever it's called now the like yeah. the baseball field or we it called it the field. football field yes yes it was the yeah and the kids played over there a lot too when they got a little well they were the older ones played over there sure and um we had a lot of neighbor neighbor kids and a, a great neighborhood down there um I think we must have lived there. I really don't have any way, but we kind of just took our boxes and walked up the two houses up the sidewalk to mm-hmm. get our stuff up the hill. Yeah. And we moved up the hill a little ways. That was a little bigger. And in that house, um, I'm trying to think where trying to even was in that house, but we ended up making bunk bed type yeah, sure. things for the other kids to get them in, still in one room until, yeah. So. Um, when did you move? Do you remember when, what year you moved into this house? Was it both? Do you, oh, Wendy was um, sophomore or junior. Okay. So it would have been probably right before a year, year or two before I was born. The, mm-hmm. um, I know that, there are some very happy memories uh, from, I mean, gosh, Matt Freeze, Jack Stamper, Tim Green, all of us hanging out in this very room that we're recording in right now. Um, 
what did this house look like when you moved in? Because this was not a, a second living space downstairs. Was it still? It, it looked, hadn't been. The, it looked like this. The but that gr- was still a garage, right? That was a garage, which even before we moved in, Uncle Larry and Grandpa changed it and made a family room and gave us more space out there. But everything else, I also got kind of a redo on the kitchen because it had old metal painted. Well, we painted those green cupboards, green metal cupboards to white. But then later, Uncle Larry put in all these nice wood wood cupboards. I remember when these these came in. So you move into here uh, when, like you said, Wendy, my mom, is like a, a freshman, sophomore in high school. A um, couple years later, she gets pregnant with little old me. Um, I wanted, I, I guess I've never asked this. I, I guess I wasn't, when I was living in your house, probably wasn't old enough, mature enough to have these conversations. Um, we live in a community that is not very... What's the nicest way that I can put this? Not the most racially diverse community. Um, very white European uh, ancestry. Was there, what was the, um, was there any weird criticism, ridicule, A, for her being a teen mom, um, and then B, uh, the child being, um, the son of a, a man that didn't live here in Greenfield very long, um, an immigrant from Laos. Was there any weird criticism, ridicule that that came down from because of either of those two factors? Well, number one, no. It's kind of like I'm going to say what I told you before. We we went with you go with the flow. Yeah, but I will say. This sticks out. This is one thing that sticks out in my memory, and you may never have heard this, but um, we really didn't. Maybe I'll tell you that part <laughs> later. But anyhow, we were at the doctor's, and when he said she was pregnant and your grandpa was very, very, very saddened because he just, I think, you know, thought it would hold her back that um, he wanted more for. But you know what? It was one of the greatest things that ever happened in our lives. You were a blessing. Yeah. Um, I think that when I, when I tell people where I'm from and and – Either they come visit here or they do some research about Greenfield. They, they see that it's a very small little, I mean, essentially like a little farm town, you know, very rural Iowa. Um, and it's exactly what you expect. You know, you don't see a lot of um, uh, racial diversity. So I, I get that question a lot is like, did you grow up with a lot of, uh, a lot of racism well, in Greenfield? I, I don't know how that was towards you. For me, I remember. I, I know we had a lot of support, a lot yeah. of family support, yeah. a lot of friends support, a lot of people in the community support. 
And um, one of the things that went on when you were not very big, we had Thursday nights on the square. Mm -hmm. And we as a family, all of us, went up there, took our blankets, had the set out for the entertainment, the food, yeah. and and um, you were just part of our family, yeah. and everybody knew it. Yeah. Um, there was only, every time people see somebody ask that, and I'm not going to say his name, but everybody probably knows who I'm talking about, but there was one, there was one person in particular that was always very, um, uh, I got a very cold reception from him, let's put it that way, and he at the time happened to be the chief of police, but he's not around anymore, so we can talk about him now. Um, he was not kind to me, um, and then there was one time that we were coming back from a cross-country race, this would have been high school, and Michael was with us, and Matt Freeze was with us, and it was just, for whatever reason, you weren't there, but it was just uh, Grandpa, Michael, Matt Freeze and myself. And there was this cashier at the McDonald's and Stewart, and she was kind of flirting with grandpa. And uh she said something about, God, your your uh your two grand grandsons are are very handsome. And he was like, Thank you. And uh she was like, It's it's very cool that I don't know what possessed her to say this, but she was like, It's very cool that you bring your your grandson's friend along. And my, my grandpa, Terry was like, I'm sorry, which one are you talking about? And she was like, that's this one pointing at me thinking I'm the friend of the grandchildren. She thought that Matt Freeze and Michael were the grandchildren and I was the fun ethnic friend. And my grandpa was like, no, this one's mine. This one's my oldest. And this, this one is actually the friend. So Yeah. So a little like, and I don't even think it like, I, I try to explain it now is that it's not, I don't even think it's racism. I think it's just ignorance. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of people here that, um, you know, just don't get exposed to, uh, different cultures and, and different races and things like that. But I don't think it was racism. And, and to your point, um, a ton of support. And I don't know if that's just because of the relationships that you and my grandfather built in this community, but I always felt like this community, um, had my back, wanted me to be successful. And years later I come back and I, I have this, uh, this silly little show of dum dumb stories. And, uh, it seems like the biggest, um, support system is still here. Like everyone wants to hear stories of, um, like the story of the podcast, the episode with Jack Stamper, um, back in July, uh, I mean, it was the most listened to episode in its first week. And I think just people wanted to hear um, just dumb stories about when we were kids and they love it. So this this community has always been very, very, very supportive of everything I've done. Um, I think back to when I graduated uh, college and I came back and I was a uh, news director in Creston. Uh, it's only tw it's 20 minutes away, but it seemed like everyone from Greenfield listens to Creston radio and everyone heard my voice. And, and I was, I was, I worked in that position for maybe six months. It wasn't very long. Um, the Brad passed away from a heart attack at 34 years old. I went into work. I was still an intern there. I hadn't even graduated college yet. And uh, Chad Reek Reich Reek um, was like, "You're you're the news director now. If you want this job, we're gonna pay you a cool twenty five thousand dollars a year, 
and it's salary and it doesn't matter how many hours you work and we're never paying you overtime and you get no vacation. And I was like, this is the most money I've ever heard of in my entire life. You're in. And now, of course, I make twice that much uh, at the job I have now. But when you're 22 and you just graduated college and you have student loans to pay off, $25,000 sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you're a billionaire. So I, I took it and it was the hardest job I've ever had. But um, I still have people that are like, I, I still remember your voice. I still love hearing your voice. And I, I've never had that. I've never had an impact like that on any other job that I've only worked six months at. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I even have friends in Creston that are like, yeah, my grandma, she talks about you all the time and how you had such a beautiful voice and whatever. But, oh yeah. I still have people ask me, why is your grandson on there anymore? And that's been quite a yeah. while ago. So jumping ahead, I'm well, born. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, that's what I was going to say. You've jumped quite, oh, quite, yeah. quite a few we, steps ahead. Yeah, we jump back. And you've missed part of my story. Go ahead. Because, because I remember the day when I was at the bank working and grandpa came in, your grandpa, Terry, yeah. came in and he said to me, he'd been talking, I think, to law enforcement, and he said, Ardeth, would it be all right if we'd bring the three children? Yeah. Because by then we had three grandchildren. Yeah. Austin, Michael, and Amber. Yeah. And he said, would it be okay if we'd bring them home for a while? He says, to be able to keep them all together. And just because we want them to be with family, he said it might be uh, three days. And it might be three years. How long was it, Austin? Oh uh, well, uh, I'm pretty sure I came to live with you. Well, when I was born, I know I lived with you guys. But then after my, my mom got divorced from Jason, I was four. And I lived with you guys full time until I graduated high school and moved off to college. So 14 years. And then Michael graduated. And then Michael and graduated. And then Amber yeah. graduated. Yeah. So, um so 1993 to 2011, you had yep. kids living here full time. Yeah. Way more than three years. That's for sure. So um, I wanted to go back in that story because that's what I was going to talk about is Michael Amber born. Um, did I'm trying to get my timeline right because obviously I was four years old. I don't remember any of this. So my mom gets divorced from Jason, who was Michael and Amber's biological father. How, what, does she, does she, does my, is my mom a single mom then for a while? And do I live with her? And then I come live with you? What is, or when did I start coming and live with you? And why did no, that, why did it, that happen? They were, they were, um, she was married. You were all living over in a house here in Greenfield. And there were some issues going on mm -hmm. at that house, and it took the law um, being there. And um, something had to be done, and your children were going to be removed from the home. Yeah. And so we did have a chance to bring you into ours or into our family. And um, what is that? What does that process look like? Is it just. Um, and I guess I, I never even thought to ask, um, it's just, just 
uh, legal guardianship? Did you have to actually adopt the three of us? What how, what did this process look like? No. Well, I'm going to say Grandpa took mo- care of most of this because he was the one that understood things and sure, and, sure. and had that um, figured out better than I. And But what happened was there was nothing legally done. Um, we had just permission from your mother for mm-hmm. you to live here and make the decisions for you guys mm-hmm. as long as you were minors. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I get asked that a lot because I worked with a, a lady at Willis Automotive, Donna, who she is she adopted her grandson like legal adoption went through the whole process so technically in the eyes of the law she is the legal mother figure um to her grandson so she was asking me did your grandparents like formally adopt you like technically is that is that are they your parents and i was like well i mean yeah for in my eyes, like that's my parents, like that's who I grew up with. That's the only family I've ever known. But I don't know what the legality of it is. But so I just and you can you can be honest because I'm 34 years old now. But when that conversation starts, when he's like, "I want them to come live with us," and it can be three months or it can be three years, and it ended up being almost 20 years. Um, was there any trepidation on on your side? when you're realizing that I'm four years old at that point, okay? Trent would have been 14. So four years from that point, so it would have been 93. In 97, your youngest child would have graduated high school. You would have been empty nesters. Like no more kids in the house. It's just you and grandpa and you get to, I don't know, retire or do whatever people without children do and you get to just enjoy each other again is there any trepidation on your end that's like well gosh i don't want to take on three more kids i just i'm i'm almost to the point where i'm getting my three kids out of the house was there any trepidation on your end that's like i don't think we like i said i'm a full adult now so you can be honest with me well no i uh, we didn't have those conversations we just went from day to day and this is what happened this is what happened yeah and it was just part of our lives and went with the flow um i i was gonna say well two things um i don't exactly remember i'd have to go back and look at papers and see the date that this happened but i did formally what's the word um, adopt adopt Shane and Wendy. They yes. are well, mine yes. too. I was going to ask. Okay. Yes, I, they, I, I did. That's what I figured. Well, and then Trent was born. Years we didn't because we did not know about the future there and sure. that it would be that long at yeah. the time or anything. And so, no, we weren't doing that, you know. Um, but we were going to see that you were taken care of and loved. and Yeah. And... It, it was a community-wide thing, yeah. I, but I do have one other story. Yeah. I want to just share this, that um, Trent, when he was in college, wrote a paper that said um, he, ha- he had to, um, he had had in his life the best of all worlds. 
When he was a child, he was the youngest child, and he had two older siblings. And then, and this would have been just when Shane and Wendy, and yep. they weren't out very long right. <laughs> at the time, but we were, he said, then he was uh, an only child. Yeah. Because he was the only one yep. left in the house right then. And then it wasn't too long till he was the oldest, was the oldest child. Yeah. yeah. I, to, I was going to ask him. Two, three more kids. I've never asked and, him this, but I thought I thought about that same thing. Was oh, like, you have to. He, where, where I he love was, it when he tells that when he story. Was, when he's thinking, all right, so my, my older brother is 10 years older than me. My older sister is eight years older than me. I get to be the only child for a while. Also, I'm the baby. I'm the youngest, so I'm going to get spoiled. And then here come these three other kids, and now I'm the oldest, and I'm not getting spoiled anymore. I always wanted to ask him, like, how did he feel about three more kids coming to live in his house? But I'm sure... He didn't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, it was just part of our yeah. lives. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say we did do one thing, just the three of us, that... Um, we did certainly enjoy something I never thought I would d get to do when I was young. I, I always thought Yellowstone would be the greatest yeah. thing. And we were able, the three of us, just us, went out to Montana where Terry's sister lived and her family, and we visited there. And uh, then we were able to go on into Yellowstone and, and through the west out there. I was kind of disappointed in Yellowstone because I didn't realize what the fires did to that sure, out there sure. because my pictures in my mind and what I'd seen of it didn't look like what I saw. Yeah. But there were still pretty parts. But our one big um, frosting on the cake out as we went on that trip was when we were at Mike and Cindy's, Uncle Mike and Aunt Cindy's, we, um, one morning, Mike says, we're going for a ride, and we got in the car, and that night, we, or, well, that afternoon, we drove through Glacier National Park, yeah. so we got two parks yeah. in that. You know. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I married a girl that, she loves to go on vacations, but she really loves national parks, and even, even being in like the Miami area and like Key West and Key Largo and all of these like very built up uh, cityscapes, she still made time to go out to Everglades National Park and go out to Biscayne National Park. And so um, the road trip that we're taking is places that I haven't been to since I was nine and that she's never been to. So Badlands and Mount Rushmore and the Teddy Roosevelt National Park up in North Dakota. And so, um, yeah, her her goal is to eventually tick off the list every national park in this country and um, really experience the, the the best that the United States has to offer. So uh, very fortunate. Well, one more thing about coming to live with you guys. I get this question a lot. Um, so I, I don't think it's any any um, surprise to anyone that uh, I, I talked about this on, on. So when we first did the podcast, when we first came back last year, we had done this podcast for 14 episodes in 2016. Okay, so it was David, um, who you met. I don't know if you remember in 2018, he came with me to the courthouse when... Oh, yes, I yeah, sure do. Tall guy, beard. I sure do. So that's David. Mm -hmm. So David used to be a host of this show and then got way too busy, couldn't make it to recordings. But David was an original host and then another friend of mine named Aaron Schoen was another host. So we did this show together, Ice Cream Sunday, in 2016. Then Trevor and David got together and they're like, 
we need to bring it back. We're older, we're more, we're more mature, we've lived fuller lives, we have better stories to tell. So it was Trevor and David begging me to bring this show back that caused us to have a podcast again. On our second, third, and fourth episodes, because the first episode was Morgan Newman talking about um, you know, her cancer diagnosis and now working for the nonprofit organization Survivor and building awareness and raising funds for cancer research. That was our very first episode because it coincided with um, adolescent and young adult cancer month or, or week. I can't remember, but week or month, but it was just the right time to put out that episode. So episodes two, three, and four, episode two was about David and the last six years of his life. Episode three was about the last six years of my life. And then uh, episode four was about Trevor and his life and meeting Heather and how th- life has changed. I don't think it's any surprise to anyone who's listened to that episode. Um, 2018 is when I met, uh, I, it was the worst year of my life, but in the middle of that, I met Amy and Amy was the one that was like, hi, I'm a pharmacist and I can't tell you that you should be on medication and go to therapy, but you should be on medication and go to therapy completely changed my life for the better. So these are conversations that I've had with my therapist is that she asked how different I think my life would be had I continued to live um, in my original living situation. Like let's say that my mother and um, Michael and Amber's father never got divorced and I continued to live with them. And I said very candidly, um, I would be one of three options. I'm either in jail I am addicted to drugs or I'm dead. Those are the three options, in my opinion. Now, I came and lived with you when I was four years old. I don't know what would have happened, but there was no better no better situation for me to grow up in and thrive and um, have the opportunities to go to college and have the opportunities to have this incredible support system because even though by proxy, I probably would have had that same community support because my mother is the daughter of Terry and Ardeth Buckner, but living directly under that roof, I had this unbelievable community support where it seemed like everyone in Greenfield, Bridgewater, Fontenelle wanted to see me do well. I can't speak to Michael and Amber and 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 if they felt that same way, but I know that like, <laughs> okay, so I'm selling these t-shirts for the podcast, right? And I'm reaching out to people that I don't know personally, or I don't think I know personally. And I have a bunch of mutual friends with them on Facebook. And I said, Hey, you know, like, I don't know if I I know you, but I know that you like, and you follow the ice cream Sunday podcast page. Um, I know that we have a bunch of mutual friends. I was just interested, wanted to know if you would um, be interested in buying a a t-shirt to help support the show. This one girl, um, her name is Emma Akers, who I found out used to be Emma Parrott. She was like, I do know you. Um, you're Terry Buckner's grandson, mind you, this man passed away 12 years ago, almost 12 years ago. And I'm still getting that to this day that like, oh, you're Terry and Ardeth's kid. Like, I still know who you are because of that. I still support you because of that. Like, I would not have had that support system. I don't think even though Wendy Buckner, Wendy Spainhauer is... Terry and Arden's kid, I don't think I would have had that support. And, and I, I wouldn't have had that. Like, uh, I keep hearing, like, it takes a village to raise a child. I wouldn't have had that village had I continued to live under, you know, Wendy and Jason's roof or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, I always answer that question with like all of the opportunities and where I'm at now. It, it doesn't happen unless I grow up in this house. So, 
agree about the com- community, and Grandpa and I were not going to let your kids grow up like that. And it could have been that way. And I do want to tell you about the family support you also received, and I think you remember this, but for a long time, that was after my dad was gone, Terry's dad was gone, but the grandmas, one lived in Fontenelle, one lived here in Greenfield, and every Sunday we had Sunday dinner, and they came on Sundays. Terry and I got a little reprieve. We we got a little... um, Time to do think about something else or do up the dishes or do something. And um, the kids entertained the grandmas. We loved summertime because there were the shows in the backyard <laughs> on the on the trampoline. Yeah. And all the different things. And we'd sit in the front yard. When they were really little, uh, we had the blanket out in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And the grandmas just loved yeah. watching them. And, uh, yeah. Oh, it was, it was uh, a best. great just family the, time. Yeah, just the, I mean, the best way to grow up, just getting up, going to church, coming home. Um, I I think we probably had noodles and mashed potatoes maybe three Sundays out of the four in a month. But Well, I noodles just, were my favorite. Oh, it was the best. And Grandpa always cooked. Yeah. And Grandma B always bet brought the best pies and salad yeah. and and grandma Lewis always had something i yeah. i what did she had um Gra- aunt grace we loved her chocolate brownies yeah. with the marshmallows yeah i just remember um people i mean to this day they'll ask me why i'm i'm such a big chicago cubs fan and it's because on sunday afternoons we'd eat lunch and then we'd all just sit around the tv and we'd watch a cubs game if there wasn't anything else going on like you know my siblings and I would put on a magic show on the trampoline. Um, some of the worst magic tricks of all time. I remember there was one where we had like this big sheet uh, or blanket or quilt or afghan or whatever, uh, like draped across the front of the trampoline. And then we would hold up a blanket and Michael would roll off the trampoline under the trampoline behind this blanket. We're like, oh, he disappeared. And of course, because... You're our grandparents and great-grandparents. It's all like, oh, my gosh, that was the best. But just the worst magic tricks of all time. But um, when we got a little bit older and um, I started bringing friends around, um, how did you How did you feel about the, the crazy bunch of hooligans that – came to basically live here in the summers like Jack Stamper, Matt Freeze, and, um, you know, over here on your desktop computer, uh, rap tunes uh, were recorded, and there was banging of drums when we were all playing rock band in, in this room. I think you guys must have just did your own thing because yeah, I don't much. even remember some of that part. Um, I just remember... Um, when we lived here and we were like middle school, high school, or we would play on the trampoline and we would, we would like fight. We would be like backyard wrestling on the trampoline. And grandpa had told us thousands of times, that's not what that trampoline is used for. Oh, it's I not know. for wrestling. It's for, it's for jumping. And so grandpa would grill in the backyard and we'd have to keep an ear to the door. And anytime that door would open and he would come out to grill, we'd have to stop. We'd have to stop and, and make sure that we were just jumping or sitting there and weren't wrestling. And then as soon as he went out back inside, oh, right back to the Royal Rumble. But uh, yeah. 
So many, so many dumb things happened in and around this house. I'm sure that. Well, it was like it. Re- I really will say it was three different families mm-hmm. because the kids were older, and then Trent, his was a different yeah. f- set of friends, and they were around a lot, and they played cards. They didn't wrestle so much, <laughs> but they were big. Um, he was, he and Shane were both big. Um, Chicago Cubs fans, yeah, and we all lay that to Aunt Grace oh, it's because, all because of Aunt Grace, yeah, and she was my support through all this. Um, my parents were out on the farm first, then they did move to town, but mm-hmm. then they were older, and she she was she lived up at the hotel when I did, yeah, yeah. and and um, so. When I think of things and when I try to remember, it gets all jumbled, Austin. Oh, I and understand. It, it's it's just um, I I think I was going to tell you more things. Or oh, it's fine. To- this is seventy five percent of the reason that I have this show is that I connect with old friends and then they tell me stories. And I'm like, oh my god, I don't remember any of that. Or it sparks you know more stories. And and uh, I think originally Trevor and my and and David's idea was just to have a a dumb little podcast where we talked about our favorite movies and video games and things like this. And and somewhere along the line, it became this like, well, let's just tell stories and have our friends on and and ask them a bunch of things. And um, it's an, it's an opportunity to reminisce. And we made a bunch of new friends uh, being at like Des Moines con and um, yeah, just it's, it's become this weird form of storytelling that I don't think really any of us expected when we put this show back together. I haven't seen your friend David for a long time. He's the best. I reconnected with some of your friends from college, which was great oh, yeah. for the wedding. the wedding. Yeah. And that was fun to see them and their families and were all grown up and everything. And then and some of your high school friends too there. Yeah. And then um and that was what I was gonna say. I'm enjoying seeing all these names of People you mentioned from your podcast, or or seeing a list of names that, of people that listen, and you telling me who they are because I don't know married names nowadays, oh, and I sure. don't recognize yeah. kids anymore, and I don't even recognize some of the people I should know, um, because we've all aged, and this is everything, and we just had a. A wonderful week at the county fair. Yeah. And I saw some people that I hadn't seen for quite a while. And, you know, I love people. And I think that's why we all kind of yeah. um, enjoy visiting and getting together. And um, I feel like you were the, obviously, a lot of the focus was on Amy the night of our wedding, but I feel like you were the bell of the ball, except especially during the reception. Uh, I feel like. Jules came up to me, Lauren, Emma, all of the the bridesmaids uh, that hadn't met you yet came up to us after the wedding and was like, I love your grandma. Like, she's the best. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're telling me something that I've, I've known for years. But yeah, everyone fell in love with you uh, pretty easily. So Well, that was a great night because we got to be in charge of those, well, at that time, two little boys. Yeah. And Oh, we had so much fun with them, but they got so tired. The yeah. one got so tired, he couldn't eat his supper. Oh. And the other one... Fell out they, of the chair. Yeah. And then there was Uncle Shane. I haven't said much about Shane. Yeah. 
he and Aunt Wanda both thought they had uh, mozzarella balls at their <laughs> wedding. We talked and, about this. And... Um, We've teased them ever since because yeah. they were better balls. So we've talked about this on the podcast before <laughs> because Dustin thought the exact same thing. Oh, Dustin too? Yeah. So Dustin um, was like, yeah, I just, it feel like a really weird consistency cheese. And then he took a bite in it and he was like, like, as it's still in his mouth, he's like, did you guys realize that this was butter? And we're like, yeah, I didn't think we had to tell you that. I we did not know they came that way, yeah. but I looked over there on Shane's salad and he had a whole bunch on yeah. his plate. Yeah, uh, Dustin did the exact same thing, so we, we talked about that. Um, one thing I did want to, I want to skip back in the story, so I'm, this would have been in high school, two things about high school, um, and I'm sure that when you when you had Shane and Wendy, they had their activities and, and things like that, and Trent was obviously in band and golf and that sort of thing, but I wasn't around for that. So I'm going to ask you about the activities that Michael and I were in. Um, cross country. I was going to ask about cross country. So we're in cross country where this is a completely new world for us. It's a completely and new world for, for grandpa you. And for grandpa and grandma. How, um, like, let me ask you this. D- did you know Bill and Free, Bill and Kim Freeze very well? Did you know Randy and Karen Stamper very well? Or is this one of those things where like you're now friends with them because they're our, our friends are friends or our kids are friends? Well, we came very well acquainted when we had the 4-H club. Yes, we, I was going to ask the, about that as well. Well, I have to say... Um, you said we talked about the community. Well, Cub Scouts was a big thing yep. for us and and our family. And Man. you kids did 4-H. 4-H the other huge. kids weren't in 4-H. Yeah, it's it's so crazy that you you grow up and you um, you you just can't do that stuff anymore. You know, like uh, 4-H was such a, a big part of my life until I graduated high school. Um, and cross country was this giant. I mean, running three to eight miles a day every day was a huge part of my life for four years and then went off to college and I never ran again but um (laughs) and then like choir and band like were so important and because all of my friends were in those activities and um whether it was oh gosh um all state auditions and all state practices in the morning or uh pet band or marching band or um, the school musical. We were just talking about this earlier today. Like I have no idea how I got everything crammed into one day. It was just, I, I felt like I had, I was doing everything. It was, and then on the weekends, I never got any rest either. Cause it was, uh, I was on not only in, in my own 4-H club that I was a founding member of the Derrick County Clover kids, um, with like the Mueller's and, uh, I think maybe Connie Hohart's kid, Brandon guy was in that club. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of us, but, not only that, but then I was also on the county council as well when I once once I got into high school. Um, I don't know how I fit everything into like all I do now today as a 34 year old is I get up, I take a shower, I drive to work, I do my job, I drive home, Amy and I have dinner and we watch some TV and then I go to bed. That's all I do in a day. And then when I was in high school, I'm thinking about like, I get up early and I would go do like, I would like, this would, this would be my fall season, right? When I, like when school first starts, I'm in the choir room with Mrs. Rabbit in the morning, uh, going over rehearsal, um, for all state music. So I can do that because, uh, auditions are in October. Um, 
Then I have a full day of school. Then I have cross-country practice. Then I have musical practice. And then I come home and maybe get some homework done, uh, watch a little wrestling, go to bed, do it all over again. That's every day for four years. And I have no idea how I got it all done. It's It was just... Um, but that was the, like we talked about earlier, that's the, the joys of public school, being able to have all those opportunities. And then also the joy of, of going to a, a one, a, or two, a school, depending on the year, a small school is, um, I think a lot of my friends that went to like four, a schools like Southeast Polk or the Des Moines public schools, you play football, you play football. That's it. That's, that's your sport. Um, you run cross country, you're training and you're running cross country all year, or you're a wrestler and you're training wrestling all year. That's what you specialize in. Um, small schools, they need, they need players. They need bodies. You can literally do every activity and it's, and you get all of that experience being in a, in a small school. And, and a smaller town Yeah. because I'm going to say we did a lot of our things locally. Mm-hmm. We didn't travel so much as they do now to do we didn't start as early on basketball or we didn't and sure, the, and they sure. didn't you have to travel for your job your your grandpa and I didn't travel right we were right here in you town walked Wait, to work so did I no, no that's what I'm saying you oh, walked to work I walked to work he didn't yeah. walk to work he took his truck oh yeah <laughs> you're right so we could take lunch breaks at the lumber yard yeah yeah no yep. we have to go see our friends exactly um okay one other thing, when you mentioned the music things, I am going to say that was a big thing for Grandpa. He loved his music. He loved oh, yeah. to sing. He, I don't think, had the formal background, <clears throat> but he was really promoting that for you guys. Trent was big into music because with his heart, his one problem up from his health... <clears throat> the um, heart problem, he did not do sports, sure. physical, um, yeah. manual Obviously sports. Golf, he, he did golf. He did golf. Anything and, heavy cardio, he couldn't yeah, do. No. Yeah. And, um, but he loved his music, and, and that's what he uh, got into, the teaching end of it there when he went to college. Yeah. And then you did all those um, music camps, music camps, and yeah. everything, and we all we loved traveling to hear them and and to so take part in them, I'm, and that was good for Grandpa. Grandpa liked to sing at church. He yeah. got to do that. I'm thankful now that Trent's getting to do a little more singing. I, uh, like I said, I'm 34 years old and I can't get in trouble anymore. But if I if I have to make a confession, I went to those music camps for the girls, Grandma. <laughs> I, I think we all know that. I was going to say, I don't think that surprises That's not me. A, I, I don't think that's, a, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, a lot of the girls that like I ended up like growing up with, like, like, uh, do you remember Macy Wiley from Griswold? Like I met her at music camp. Mm-hmm. Like I met so many friends that I still have to this day. I met at that camp and, and still, um, I mean, I still in contact with every day. So, right. um, one more on a serious note, one more thing I wanted to ask about in high school. So I'm probably a senior Either the end of my junior year or beginning of my senior year, um, I meet my biological father, uh, Calm. This lady, every time we were eating at what was the old hotel restaurant, 
um, before it moved and became the Olive Branch. I would see this lady, and she would come, and she she seemed like more more than just your standard like she she seemed like more than just like a Bob guy come like a friend of my grandparents right like or Dwayne and Linda uh, Armstead. She seemed like she knew me in like a way that no one no one else did, and I didn't realize I didn't know this lady. I didn't know her personally. So come to find out that when I meet my my father, I do some research about my father, that he lived with this lady when he lived in town. This is Mrs. Summers. Um, and I guess like my, 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 the question is, um, there was, I guess I didn't, I didn't ask a lot of questions or I didn't, I didn't know um, how to, 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 to breach the subject of my, my biological father. Was this a subject that you and, and grandpa talked about that was just like when he decides that he's ready to ask those questions, we'll have that conversation or what was the, the, cause I did, I, I just guess I just didn't really know. And, and I, I guess I didn't really know much about like, like I said, I didn't know a lot about the legality of coming to live with you until I asked you today at 34 years old. So, um, was that something that you guys talked about that was just like, hey, this is something that we won't bring up? Like, he's he's our kid. He's part of our family. And when he decides that he wants to know more about that, like, we'll talk about it. Or what was the the what were the conversations around that part of, I guess, my how I came to be, for lack of a better term? Um, Jen, Su Jen Summers was our neighbor, yeah. and she didn't live very far. And I know she kept a good eye on things, yeah. what, what went on here. Um, um, she was protective of calm. That's probably what I should say. Yeah. And um, is that when you actually met him because when i remember yeah. him so the first time the first time i really yeah got to so meet him, you and grandpa did not meet him that night okay when i met him i had been doing i had been asking some questions at high school um to one of the only two te one of the only teachers that were was there when my parents when my biological parents wendy and calm when they went to school i asked judy rash and I said, hey, I don't know anything about my biological father. Is there a um, is there a yearbook? Is there pictures? Is there anything to know about this guy? And so I had been asking these questions. And so I remember sitting at home. And one night, Judy Rash said, hey, I'm at Steen Funeral Home. Um and Jan Summers has passed away at this point. Um, Calm is here. And it was her visit. It was the night of her visitation. And Judy Rash talked to grandpa and said, would it be okay if I come and pick up Austin and he meets his father? So the first time I ever met my biological father was in a funeral home at a visitation for a lady I did not know, um, meeting a man that I did not know. Um, we had, I guess, somewhat of a relationship. Um, I guess like the highlight would be my high school graduation. 
my biological mother, my biological father are in the same building, probably for the first time since the day I was conceived. Um, and just, I, it was weird. Like, I, her, my, my mom and the guy that she was married to at the time, Levi, were together there, calm, and his wife and my, my two younger brothers were there. Um, and then calm was actually there, like helped me move in my freshman year of college. Like he was there that day, helped me put a bed together and stuff like that. Uh, put, helped me put a futon together and then divorces Manila, who was kind of the driving force of like, Hey, you need to have a relationship with your son after that. Never talked to him for years. And then Kaylee gets pregnant. And I'm living in Des Moines at the time. I reconnect with Brandon, who is my oldest of my brothers on my father's side. Um, and he says, you're having a baby? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I want to have lunch with you and dad. Dad has something to tell you. So I meet my biological father and my brother for lunch with Kaylee. And my dad, my father, brings this woman uh, with him, who is Clover, who he's married to to this day. Come to find out that Calm has a baby that is due two months before my baby. So my oldest son, Kingston, has an aunt who is two months older than him. So, um, but then again, fell out of contact and haven't talked to him in probably five years, six years, four years, four or five years. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it all comes back to the, the overall theme of this podcast that like my family is in this community. My family is in this house. Um, and I would be a completely different person had I not grown up here because I, as an adult, after I graduated high school and spread my wings and fell out of this nest, I did try to have a stronger relationship with my biological mother, my biological father. And they say sometimes don't meet your heroes because they'll always let you down. And uh, um, I think it's no surprise that anyone's listened to this show that um, I don't have the strongest relationship with either one of them. Uh, and then on the other hand, I talk to you almost every day. So, um, that relationship is still strong and, and, and because you still live in this community, the, the, the relationship that I have with this community and the roots that, um, that were planted here are still very, very strong. So, um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk to you and I wanted to release this, um, on September 10th because it's the day after your birthday and it also happens to be national grandparents day. So, um, I thought it was fitting and, and I keep, all my friends keep telling me that I need to have my grandma on the show for whatever reason. So here yeah. you are. For whatever reason, why would they want to listen to me? You're a fascinating <laughs> person. Um, and it's about a week after when grandpa's would have been. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. September 5th and September 9th. We shared um, close birthdays. Yeah. Was that weird when you guys met and you realized that you had the same birthday week? Yeah. yeah it was nice. One year apart. It was so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of birthdays in September. So not only the two of you, but my mom, September 10th, um, my brother, September 30th. So everyone, everyone asks, they're like, 
when is your birthday then? And I was like, oh, my birthday's in March. And they're like, oh, that would have, that had to have been weird. Everyone else's birthday's in September and yours is off here in March. And I was like, don't worry. We didn't really celebrate my birthday in March because my grandfather was an accountant and he was very, very busy. So remember, had to wait to get married. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember they were like, <laughs> and then you brought up that grandpa was always the cook. And I always made the joke that I dreaded January through April because grandma had to cook those four <laughs> months. <laughs> Yeah. You're pretty, a wonderful cook. Pretty bad. I will say that um, your loose meat sandwiches, your sloppy joes are far better than grandpa's ever were. So there you go. Learned that from Aunt Grace. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing I want to say about Aunt Grace before we wrap up is that in the 90s, I think this would have been in the 90s, 90s, early 2000s, this woman had me convinced because her first name was Grace, and this player's last name was Grace, that I was related to Mark Grace. And I told everyone I knew that for probably a good three years. Um, the, the thing that always bothered me was that A, Mark Grace left the Cubs and then immediately won the World Series with a different team <laughs> while she was still alive. And then she was not alive in 2016 when the Cubs finally won the World Series. So... Well, just a couple more things. Yeah. Um, we have lucky birthdays in our family. Yeah, many Austin lucky has Austin has three three. Yep. Trent has five five, five and I have nine nine. There's one more. She married into the family, but Amy's is ten ten. Ten ten. Yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. You told me that. Yep. I just have yeah. it on my calendar and I haven't Thought, got that one in my she's list. A, she's yeah. a 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. 10, 10. Yeah. yeah, she's a 10, all right. Yeah. Um, And about the Mark Grace thing, oh, we want to think he's a distant relative. <laughs> we have we have his autograph that yeah, came from a, a distant family somehow or other. So we'll just keep thinking that. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was great. Yeah, he was great. Any any other stories, anything that I didn't ask about that you want uh, people listening to this show, which will inevitably become the most listened to episode because everyone wanted to hear from you. So anything you want to, any other stories that I didn't ask about? Any other uh, stories about um, your, your first two kids and then your second kind of generation or your grandkids? I'm going to say one thing that united all the generations, and this was one of Grandpa's favorite things, once we got started going to Branson, there was our music. Yes. We spent a lot of time in Branson. He loved to go. We still do. And we need to spread out, but we just like going back there. I, uh, this is the last thing I'll say about Branson, and then we'll end the show on this. I remember going on like some educational vacations in my youth trent was still in college at northwest missouri state in maryville so we would go 45 minutes south and i remember going on a vacation in saint joe missouri right. um jesse james was murdered there so we went and saw like the the location where he was he was killed um i remember going to nauvoo illinois um and we did a vacation there and i remember going to hannibal missouri where um that would have been like finn uh tom sawyer tom sawyer and Huck Finn. Yeah. So uh, that would have been um, Mark Twain. 
And Becky Thatcher. Yes. And so I remember when I was like maybe nine or 10, I remember going to South Dakota and I saw Mount Rushmore and Crazy Horse and uh, the Badlands. I remember all of these educational vacations. And then one summer, someone flipped the switch and we decided that every vacation for the rest of my life was going to be Branson, Missouri. Because it was close. And we love the music. It was close-ish. What I would have explained to people is that I've spent probably, let's see, from 10 to the time I was about 20, I've spent probably 12 weeks of my life in Branson, Missouri, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is when you realize that I live in Southern Iowa and Branson is in Southern Missouri. Like I probably live five hours away from Branson, seven hours away from Branson, that's a long time to spend in Branson for someone who doesn't live anywhere close to Branson. And on, and you said it's close. That's a very Midwestern thing to say. Because if you tell someone from the coast that it's seven hours away, they're getting on a plane to go to that location. And we in the Midwest are like, it's only seven hours away. We'll get in a car. We'll be there by the end of the night. Like, that's a very Midwestern thing to say. Austin, Uncle Trent and I have got to go I there. know. I know. I want to take Amy to Branson and I want to I want to have like a what my version of a Branson vacation would be, which would be like on Table Rock Lake and I get to enjoy like the Ozark Mountains and I get to do a, a little bit more outdoor stuff. Um someone recently asked me in the 12 times that I've been to Silver uh to Branson, how many times did I go to Silver Dollar City? And I was like maybe 3. And they're like, "Well, that's like the main attraction in Branson. What did you do when you were in Branson? And I was like, let me give you the itinerary for our Branson trips. It was get up in the morning, continental breakfast at the hotel. 10 a.m., we're in a theater for our first show of the day. We have lunch. Then we're in a show at 2 p.m., second show of the day. Then we eat dinner. Then we're back in a, in a theater, 7 p.m., third show of the day. Wash, rinse, repeat for a week straight, 12 years in a row. But I loved it. I don't listen to country, I don't listen to gospel, but for one week out of the year, um, man, I, I I could tell that like, that was my grandfather's favorite place in the world, and because of that, it was fun. And also, I destroyed the rest of my family at mini golf and, go, and uh, go-karts. Destroyed. And also, I know I said this, and I'll say, and when this episode comes out, I'll say it next week as well because this is going to be episode 68, and Corey's episode comes out, and it's episode 69. So you'll hear it on two consecutive weeks. Amy, if you're listening, you will never beat me at mini golf. You will never beat me at mini golf. I'm the greatest backyard athlete of all time. That's what I told myself. Never's a long time. Never. I told her this. I said, listen, like, Sometimes you beat me at Uno and other like intellectual card games and things. But when it comes to something like physical, like in a backyard, you saw me play cornhole. I was draining them. She's never going to beat me at cornhole. She's never going to beat me at ladder ball. She's never going to beat me at mini golf. I am the, the king of the backyard games. That's what I told her. The greatest backyard barbecue athlete of all time. This is what my body was built for. I'm five foot six and I'm chubby. I can't do, I can't play basketball. I'm not a good football player, but I can throw beanbags into a hole at 25 feet away. That's what I'm built for. We all thought you were taller. 
Yeah, the one lady that thought I was six foot four for some reason. I the thing is, and Trent and I talked about this when you were, I don't know what you were doing, but Trent and I talked about this, and I was like, so I, I know that she's never met me in person, but like she knows of me, and I asked her this. I said, you you've listened to the podcast, and she goes, I listen to it every week. I go, great. So you you know that like my father's an immigrant from Southeast Asia historically a very short part of the world and she was like yeah and i go so you thought i was a six foot four southeast asian man and she was like yeah i guess i never put that together (laughs) any other stories anything else you want to share with uh the listeners i have lots of stories but they just are all disconnected that's fine when you i'm not trying to toot my own horn here but when you look at where where Shane is at in his life, uh, Wendy's at in her life, Trent, uh, myself, Michael, Amber, um, like you said, you feel like you've had kind of three different families um, and you invested and you and grandpa both invested a lot of time in, in many children, uh, six children to be exact, um, was all, would you, do you feel like all of that time and effort that you put into that, um, do you feel like it paid off? Do you feel like it's worth it? And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a second question and and tell you why I asked that here in a second. Oh yes. Yeah. It was all worth it. Perfect. That's all I want to hear because I stood on a stage at an opera house and I got married to Amy. And that's the one thing I said. I said like that person who is uh, beautiful and intelligent and a doctor and loves my children and seems to love my family and like is everything I ever wanted. Like, um, I, I, like I've said like my job and everything and how I am as a person, but like that woman, I don't land that woman. If it's not for the, the things that I learned living in this house like that, that I don't attract that person unless I, I live here and I grow up in this house. I'm just going to say, I was pretty naive. I uh, graduated from high school in the spring, started at the bank in the fall, never been out on my own, did not, had a chance to go to college, did not want any more school right then. And then I was on my own for a long time. I had some very good teachers besides all my family the friends I've gained over the years. Um, Aunt Grace was a great supporter. My two teachers, I would have to say, was my friend Donna. I learned so much. I learned so much over the years from her. And my other teacher was Terry. Yeah. Because he knew things I didn't know and had never done. I had never had those exact same opportunities. He was a lot more independent than I was. I I think I've told this story before or at least alluded to it. um, When Terry, when my grandfather passed away in 2011, I had just graduated college. I mean, literally a few months before that, I just graduated college. He passed away and he did everything for this family. Um, 
And so I'm, I'm now on my own. I'm now an adult. And the one guy that I called and asked every question under the sun, every question imaginable. And, and for what, however, however he did it or for whatever reason, he seemed to have the answer every time that guy's gone. So I'm having a mental breakdown because I don't know how to be an adult. And now the one guy that would have the answers on how to be a functioning adult has, has passed away. And, um, it has been the last almost 12 years have, have been quite the adjustment to, um, to figure out how to navigate life without this, this guy that really, uh, I mean, took the world in his hands and, and made everything manageable for all of us. Uh, and, it's been quite the adjustment, but. And made us a family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been quite the adjustment, but, uh, I know that he's, he's watching all of us and, uh, man, um, Whew, my two my two biggest regrets in life are that um not not regrets because I can't I mean there's no way that I could have changed it but is that he passed away before getting an opportunity to meet Kingston Kenta and Carrick um and oh, yeah. then before having an opportunity to meet Amy because God he would have loved Amy like he would have loved them all man if my grandpa would have saw that I I married a doctor he would I feel like he would have been so proud. Um, I dated some dummies in there for a while and, uh, and then I landed a doctor. You would have been so proud, but yeah. Yep. Sometimes I get pretty emotional, but I think some of us, I, I think some of the younger people are too. Yeah. We, um, there's an episode that, that, that will actually come out way like weeks before this. It's the one that I, I recorded at the, the cultural center and Dan Dickinson asked me like, you seem very knowledgeable about um, the cultural center and you seem very knowledgeable about and, and passionate about this building. And, and I said, one of the reasons for that is there's not a lot of opportunity for a town this size to have a community theater. And so I love what Cumberland Rose players does and has always done. And I was not around when my grandfather was the tin man. That was before my time. But I do remember when my grandfather was in a production uh, called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And that was the most hilarious my grandfather ever was on stage. Um, and so I have, I have this passion for community theater and especially Cumberland Rose and especially the Warren Cultural Center because like when I think of like my fondest memories uh, of my grandfather, I think back to when like he wore... Uh, um, oh, what do you call him? Uh, a toga and was in this play that probably no one else remembers, but, um, that's one of my, my fondest memories. And so, um, we talk about like why I'm so passionate about like the arts and theater and things like that. It goes above and beyond me being in choir and band when I was in high school or, you know, my, my uncle being in, in choir and band and that sort of thing. Um, it goes back to like, my, my grandfather loved music. My grandfather loved the arts. And um, I felt like I got right away, got asked if I wanted to be a member of the board of directors for the Carlsworth Center after attending one meeting and talking about how passionate I am about this building. Um, my, my grandpa was involved in 
Good God, everything. He was in the Lions Club. He was on city council. He was mayor pro temp for a while. He was the president of the school board. He was on the fair board. He was, my God, he was involved in this community. This, he loved this community. Um, he was a, a member of, of Fairview Church. I mean, he was just, he was so ingrained in this community. And this, I don't think anyone's going to argue if, if I say that Greenfield was a better place because he lived here. Um, I don't live in Greenfield anymore, but if I can come back and I can give back to the cultural center and I can give back to the arts, something that he loved, that's my way of honoring um, my my grandfather's memory is by giving back to the cultural center, um, you know, just a little bit. That's that's my way of honoring his memory and giving back to a, um, a community that's that's gave so much to me and continues to, to support me in many, many ways. Mm-hmm.